Hi, I'm Tom Marks with the Marks Law Firm in Orlando, Florida, and welcome to the Healthy Family Law Attorney. Today, we're going to talk with a special guest, Angie Mabe, with Abba's Heart Counseling in Longwood. Um, we're going to talk about the reasons partners in marriage misunderstand each other, and um, I'm excited to have Angie on. Remember, our purpose is to provide hope and help to your family because I believe your family matters. And we want to help you navigate through the family law process in a successful way and in a healthy way. So, Angie, welcome aboard. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing today, Tom? I'm doing great. I'm excited to have you on. Um, I know you've been doing therapy for 15 years or more, and you are the owner and founder of Abbas Heart Counseling in Longwood. You're a licensed mental health counselor at the master's degree level. Um, tell us just a little bit about your practice, how many therapists you have. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, I've had my own private practice now. It's been almost five years. And last November, we actually started expanding. So we have um, four, five counselors with us and uh, also student interns. So all of them, all of us enjoy working with teens. My personal favorite's middle school. Um, we've got a couple that enjoy working with the itty bitty kids, uh, three years old and up. And all of us are well equipped to work with any individual in the family to help uh, bring the family cohesion together and unity together in the family. Well, that's great. Thank you. So today we're going to talk about why partners um, misunderstand each other in marriage and I know a lot of it goes back to our childhood, how we were raised, our parents. Can you talk a little bit about that, how that impacts how we in marriage today misunderstand each other? Absolutely. Well, as we all know, there's uh, no such thing as a perfect parent. So by virtue of our parents not being perfect, they're going to put little holes in our hearts. Hopefully everybody can see that. So we're going to oh, put yeah. little holes in our heart. Um if these dings get reinforced over time, there's uh, going to be gaping uh, wounds. Now, a wound can also be caused by physical, sexual, mental, or emotional abuse. Now, uh, what do people do or use to help heal these wounds? Well, they use a variety of different things, including sex, drugs, alcohol, money, status, power, food, chocolate, relationships, pornography, shopping, sports. This list can go on and on and on forever. And so what we're looking at is when a person is wounded, not that I want to parent shame or parent blame, because it can start with really anybody in childhood. It's just we carry these wounds into our adult life. And when we get into our adult life, a lot of times we don't realize that we're carrying all this woundedness around and we move into relationships, not understanding why we're crashing and burning like we are. Okay. And so that list you showed on the screen there a minute ago, I mean, I'm a chocolate lover. So help me understand how can things like that on that list actually be used just to fill uh, holes in your heart? Um, they can be good things. But so when you look at this list, some of this stuff is really good. Some of it can be not so good. So what makes it bad in this context is the fact that you're misusing the purpose of chocolate or you're misusing the purpose of food. You know, um, all these things are is just temporary band-aids to heal the wounds in our uh, hearts, the, the pain that we experience. 
Same thing with relationships. A lot of people move into relationships thinking, oh, this person's never going to hurt me or have the illusion that, you know, this is the one they completely understand me. And when they inadvertently hurt you and pull up and hit a heart wound, you're devastated, you know? So that's the reason why chocolate's not so great to help heal a heart wound. Okay. I get you. Um, Okay. So let's talk about uh, fighting. Every, every marriage, if you're going to be in a close marriage, you're going to interact every you're human. There are going to be fights. How do you fight fairly? Talk to us about how, how to navigate that. Well, in my opinion, it's not so much uh, what couples fight about. It's how they fight. There's a big difference between sitting down and talking respectfully versus putting on your gloves and going in the boxing ring with your partner for nine rounds. Uh, And also the timing of discussion is absolutely key. Um, If you want to take a biblical lesson, namely in the book of Ruth, taught Ruth this when she told her to go and approach Boaz. She says, don't approach him until after he's eaten and drank and and rested. And so I think that is absolutely probably the best piece of advice any woman has ever given another woman in regards to how to uh, interact with a man. Um, The other thing you can think of is HALT, H-A-L-T. If you are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, probably not a good time to uh, have a discussion about anything. Um, And other things to think about is there's no screaming, no hitting, no punching, no physical aggression. Don't call each other names. You know, you got to think of it in terms of if you were to talk to your boss this way, would you still have a job? A lot of times couples say, no, we wouldn't. So if you're not going to talk to your boss that way, don't talk to your partner that way. You know, it's interesting when you said uh, that HALT acronym, that's Mm -hmm. kind of what I talk to my clients about when they're communicating, even with their former spouse or maybe during the divorce about the children or whatever, not to email, not to text when you're hungry, angry, tired, you know, lonely, whatever. Um, because the court's all ultimately going to look at it and uh, judge you based on that. So I know that's kind of a universal rule. You're talking about it in how to fight fairly. It's also, I think, in any kind of real communication with anyone, really. Yes, absolutely. Especially with your uh, partner, because typically... When we are interacting with our partner, we have this idea that they're always going to be there and they're never going to leave. So we have a tendency to give them the worst or the leftovers of what we have for the day versus trying to reserve the best for them. And so, yeah, that the the hungry, angry, lonely or tired applies absolutely to marriages. It will actually cause way less damage. You know, I tell a lot of uh, my clients that You know, you got to think of your marriage as like building a house. I'm like a hammer serves two purposes. It can either build up or it can go down. Right. And when you are in one of those knockout brawls with your spouse, you're literally taking your sledgehammer and just ramming holes into the walls and causing way more damage than necessary. Right, right. So let's let's talk about how all of this fits together in terms of how it impacts um intimacy and connection in the marriage when, you know, fighting and um, holes in your heart and all that. So tell us a little bit about that. 
Well, maintaining a deeper connection and sexual and emotional intimacy is what separates marital relationships from many other relationships. It's important to continuously work to improve and better the marital relationship. Having and maintaining and growing the marital relationships allows both people to feel fulfilled in the relationship throughout the duration of the entire time of being married. If both people are equally invested into maintaining the health and well-being of this relationship, feelings of fulfillment, concern for the other person's needs will continue to grow. This leaves the hurt that each person experiences to a minimum and allows both people to flourish within the realm of their lives together. So connection and intimacy is very crucial to cultivate and to maintain throughout. Okay, so let's talk about what happens if that if trust is 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 hurt or broken, what do you do then? Uh, first, you have to communicate what specifically was broken. Um, then you have to come up with an agreement or a plan on that honors both of you in order to rebuild that trust. You have you also have to have very clear markers. So I ask people a lot of times, I'm like, "What does trust even look like?" And they're like, "I don't even know." And I'm like, well, if you don't know, then what do you know what you're looking for? You know, so we have to come up with some very clear um, ideas of what that means. So, for instance, let's say a spouse was caught cheating um, by calling sex hotlines. Um, And by the way, cheating does not mean that it has to be the end of a relationship. If your spouse has been caught in adultery or cheating or using pornography or something that was questionable and that really broke the trust of the relationship, a lot of times that can stimulate the relationship to actually um, get back on track and both parties invest in it. Um, but anyway, back to our example of the, um, if the, the plan that you guys can come up with is that, you know, I want both of us to be in counseling. I want us to have an accountability partner. I want us to go to, uh, sexual anonymous. I want us to be able to read different marriage books and, different um, workbooks to be able to grow and reconnect our emotional intimacy. I want to see a sex coach or dive into our sexual desires in a counseling relationship. So those are very identifiable things that couples can sit here and say, yes, this is what builds trust. Um, The other thing that has to be addressed when trust was broken is the trauma that it caused the spouse um, that was uh, in the victim role of their trust being broken. So Depending on how traumatized the spouse is, um, it may take longer because building trust doesn't isn't on a timeline. You know, if we do this for six months, then we'll be able to rebuild trust. That's not the way that works. Well, that, that leads me to a, my next question, and that's a good point. What if trust has been broken and it's gone on too long? And I don't know how too long, what what period of time that is, but if if the parties, the partners, the spouses have not been willing to work on it. They haven't gone to counseling. They haven't decided to read books together to communicate better. Um, what do they do at that point? Or what What are the results if it's just gone on too long? Right. Well, what happens, and this is where I can pull up my uh, relationship flow chart, is all of us want a connection and the connection leads to a deeper intimacy, but frustrations are going to occur in any relationship. And so what we end up doing is fixing the frustration, which uh, 
builds back the intimacy and we are able to maintain the connection. So in a healthy relationship, you're really going to be in this kind of uh, cycle because there's no such thing as a frustration free relationship. You know, I wish there was. When you're down here and you start getting to the anger part, this is where the hole in the heart, those heart wounds start coming into effect. Um, and what people really need to work on is really themselves in the marriage because individually, a lot of people, when I get my couples in session, I'm like, and explain the hole in the heart theory, like I did earlier, I asked them, I'm like, what are some of the holes in your heart? And each of them stare at me like deer in the headlights. Like, I don't know, you know? And I'm like, well, if you don't know what hurts the most in you, how are you going to explain that to your spouse? And, you know, because when you're in those intense moments, and it feels like a gut punch, like this whoosh, like one minute you're fine. The next minute you feel like you're on fire right. in your head. You're like, why is this such a big deal? But you can't seem to let it go, you know? And so that's when, you know, one of the heart wounds are at play and that you just hit the anger of uh, the level of anger. Well, you know, I, this is so helpful. And this is part of why I have this channel to provide that hope and help. And I'm a big believer in therapy and counseling for clients. And um, Angie, one thing I notice is oftentimes when somebody comes in to see me for an initial consult, in in a lot of respects, uh, they're kind of already divorced. They're not legally, but what I call de facto, just the the facts of the situation. They may already be living in separate parts of the house. They're not sleeping in the same bed. They may be in separate residences, or even if they're in the same bed, there's no intimacy. It -hmm. seems like the marriage is like dead and they come in to see me. But I do believe counseling can still help. And I do believe that reconciliation in the right circumstances is a possibility. I don't want to put my client in harm's way if there's um, physical or other abuse going on. But if, if there is um, hope, and I think there's always some level of hope, sending them to someone like you for counseling, Mm -hmm. not only can help them possibly restore the marriage, but can also help them, even if they don't restore the marriage to go on and uh, cook co-parent the children in a healthier way to be able to communicate with each other. Um, so what is, what happens, what's that final result that you see if parents, if parties, uh, partners don't work on these uh, issues and it's gone way too long. And I mean, I, I don't want to say anything's too long. Right. But um, you know, Einstein's theory of insanity Uh, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So I always tell my clients, you can't continue to do the same thing if you want to try to restore the marriage. you got to go see a counselor, right? So you've talked about a lot of really helpful, uh, positive things to do. But in the final analysis, what happens if they've gone through all that and they're not willing or able to resolve it? That's a great question. And unfortunately, you cannot stay in the anger phase of the relationship um, unless it goes into one of three areas. Either it goes into abuse, physical, mental or emotional or sexual abuse, Um, a detachment and detachment is more um, uh, hostile living together where it's like you really want nothing to do with your spouse and you try to collude with your kids and 
um, get them on your side, but you're still living in the same household, but it's like, we're not inviting them out to dinner. We're not inviting them to family functions. It's like everything you do is like literally separate and on your own. And then we have the coexist option, which is basically roommates is you guys have some low level of care for each other, very high routine uh, in the family. Both of you know your roles very, very well, but there's usually generally very little love and extremely low, if any, intimacy, um, both emotional and sexual intimacy. So the, the problem is you cannot stay in this cycle for too long because it is so emotionally draining and heavy that you, you have one of two options. Either you have to start working your way back up to intimacy, which at this point when you're down here, it's kind of like rock climbing without your ropes, you know? Um, it's not impossible. I've seen it happen before. Um, it's right. just really two people are so hurt and so broken by then they don't want to put in the time, energy and effort to restore the marriage because they don't think it's possible. They've lost hope, you know? And if you, if you see the, the chart, as you go lower down on this chart, you become less trustful and you become more selfish, you know? So it's like right. by the time people get to the bottom, there's very little trust and there's a high amount of selfishness going on. And usually both partners. Right. Yeah. Um, let me say that um, I want I want us to be able to provide some hope and help to our, our viewers. And I have a I have a blog called The Healthy Lawyer, and this channel is called The Healthy Family Law Attorney. So health is part of my purpose. And um, so Angie, I like to at the end of my videos ask you: Is there some healthy tip you could give? to spouses that find themselves in this situation where they, they're really misunderstanding each other, they may be fighting, How, what, what help, one or two healthy tips would you give them to summarize this um, at the end here? I would probably say um, both of you need to sit down individually and then come together and really think about when you first met what was it that you really liked about each other? What caused each of you to fall in love? Because a lot of times as life gets in the way, people get disconnected from the original emotions and, uh, and the way that they used to act, you know, because a lot of times you used to do certain things, whether it was pursue or set up date nights or uh, engage in conversations that for whatever reason, over time, just it's busy, work happens, children happen, you know, activities happen and you just end up missing each other. So I really encourage couples to come and sit down and ask themselves, what did we used to do that we're no longer doing, you know, and start doing those things again. Um, and also, if uh, you get to a point and you find out that, hey, this is getting really hard to heal in the marital relationship. I usually encourage a planned separation and a planned separation doesn't necessarily mean it has to end in divorce. It just means that we have an agreed upon time and space where we can both heal without causing more hurt and more pain piled on top of each other. And it allows both parties to do their own individual healing and to start dating each other again in all actuality, because that's probably the best thing about a planned, a healthy planned out separation is that 
once you get to that point of incorporating dating, you get the the feel and not the heaviness and the responsibility of the marriage behind it. Angie, that is so helpful. I I I, I think that's great advice. I I so appreciate it. I hope it has provided um, some value to our our audience, our listeners. Um, I am so grateful. Thank you so much for coming on the channel today. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Oh, awesome. Um, if any of you out there have found any uh, value in this content, hit that subscribe button, uh, hit that like button. If you want to hear uh, our new uh, videos as they come live each week, uh, right now we're posting every Wednesday at noon and every Friday. So the uh, vid video interviews are on Fridays and the actual uh, taping of uh, the more uh, legal questions and answers are on Wednesdays. So thank you so much, everyone, for uh, joining us today. I hope you've enjoyed it and we will see you next time.